one of my best friend's dads took his life um, and that was like, it seemed really close together. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of just a, some really cool people within my friend circle stood up and said, you know what, this isn't good enough. We need to become more accountable of, of our friends around us and, and it sort of flowed on through all of us and going, you know what, we need to continue to check in. You're listening to the Examine Life podcast with Matt Purcell. I've had so many emails and inboxes asking, Matt, what happened to the Examine Life? Where have you been? And to be honest, I've been focusing a lot on a brand new business venture and it's an opportunity that has come left field and it happened at the beginning of the year. And it's actually come from a guest that was my first guest on the Examine Life podcast and that's with Mark Burris. And it's no secret that Mark and I have actually started a company together and we've called it Mentored Media and that's been something that I've been focusing on a lot to get off the ground and to settle into a brand new focus. I think podcasting is quickly overtaking mainstream media in the sense of radio programs and is another form of like, I guess, channel, like just like a news channel. And I'm really, honestly, absolutely stoked to be able to get so many emails and inboxes and just so much great feedback about how much you've enjoyed The Examine Life. And rest assured, I have some great episodes coming up. I've got a brand new series that I'm going to launch very soon with The Examine Life, focusing on different worldviews. I've always had a very big heart and a lot of curiosity around different belief systems, like from religions to different practices of lifestyle. I want to know why people are vegan, so to speak. I want to know why people believe in Buddhism. I want to know why people aren't believers in anything. That's what the Examine Life is all about, is examining and questioning and trying to extract all the good stuff out of everyone's experiences. Now for today's episode, we're interviewing Chris Green. Now Chris Green is a very, very talented young sportsman. He plays for Sydney Thunder for the T20 cricket competition. And he also plays all around the world with different T20 competitions. Now Chris is a very impressive guy because he doesn't just focus on cricket. He actually has a very big heart for mental health. He has a big charity focus, so he works with the Ronald McDonald House. He's an ambassador for Are You OK? a fantastic initiative to promote mental health and we get into a lot of his thinking about leadership gratitude his family what's what's coming up in the future and i really enjoyed his company so you're going to get a lot out of this episode so without further ado welcome back to the examine life podcast after a little bit of a break please enjoy my conversation with chris green we're sitting down today because he's six (laughs) six four six four and I'm five foot midget, right? And <laughs> it's better this way so that my neck doesn't hurt looking at me. How are you, Chris? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, come on. Well, <laughs> thanks for joining us today. And um, I love what you do. You, you play for lots of T20 teams around the world. You're, you're young. You, you're getting a lot of great experiences and um, you're playing great cricket. So um, tell us a little bit. Let's go back to the start. Like, cricket. <laughs> Like when, why, what, how? Like, t- tell us a little bit about that, that genesis. A, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I guess um, from the beginning, I was born and born and raised in South Africa um, in a big tennis family. So, funnily enough, my um, my mum and dad both played professional tennis, played at Wimbledon. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and met met playing tennis. Um, mum being English, dad South African. 
they eventually moved to South Africa, had my brother and I, and um, we had a tennis court at our house in South Africa, so I grew up playing tennis. Mm -hmm. So I was walk from the moment I was walking, I was playing tennis. Um, I don't really remember where cricket came in. Uh, I think it was just one of the many sports that I tried. Mm -hmm. um, and cricket and soccer were the sort of two that took place with tennis. Um, but like my first memory um, of, of cricket was I was watching on the telly with my dad um, and we were watching South Africa play. And I'd, I'd obviously been playing a little bit before and he said, you know, if you want to play cricket, um, model your game on this guy, and this guy was yeah. Jacques Callas. Oh wow! Um, yeah. One of the greatest all-rounders, if, if not, not the greatest. If not, yeah, <laughs> carried yeah. South Africa for many years, um, mm. and so that was pretty cool. And, and we were working on, we were talking about his slog sweep. So we had like he had a, that mum and dad had like a long bedroom passageway, and he was throwing me like tennis balls. You know those signature bats. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's like, okay, we're going to practice this. And I want you to slog sweep, hit it up into the wall. With a tiny little sweep. Yeah, a tiny bit. Yeah. Practice slog sweeping, hit it up against the wall, and like it would rebound and go back to him. So I hit a couple, uh, like was missing. And then I got this one clean. I remember it vividly. Went straight through the window, <laughs> smashed the window. And he's like, yeah, good shot. Um, let's go outside. Yeah, good shot. That would be $200. <laughs> yeah, so that was like my first. You know, really vivid memory of cricket, sitting down, watching with my dad. Um, you know, I was playing sort of junior level or just mucking around in, on the tennis court then. Um, and then we moved over to Australia in 2001 when I was seven. And that's where I probably started getting involved in more junior club cricket. I think it was called Kanga Cricket at the time, yes. which is now Milo Cricket. Um, and progressed through, you know, school and club cricket, played some rep cricket for North Shore. Um, and then my high school was, I guess, where cricket for me started to take shape. Um, mm. Tennis was probably my number one sport in terms of uh, ability, maybe. Um, but then my love was for both of them and I could never decide. Mm. And it got to 18, I remember writing my SATs to go to American colleges for tennis and I thought that was my way. And then I, in my, my way of deciding was after writing my HSC was, you know what, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave Australia, and that was my way of choosing cricket. I just enjoyed my last season, and it sort of came about from there. Yeah, interesting. So it was a love affair between. Yeah, it's an interesting thing with in life. You can have many ideas. You can hold different ideas at different times. So you could say, "I love tennis," is it in mm. one moment? Cricket's it in one moment because you're playing two different days. Yeah, but you can't have two contradicting ideas. Or even options at once. So you, it's when two ideas collide, and you have to say this over that. Yeah. I actually really like cricket, and it's not just in its you know literal form of you know teams and rules. I actually like it as a metaphor for life. Mm. And I think you probably thought about this at some point. Like I remember playing cricket. I've never been tall. <laughs> at all, so I always struggled bats as a batsman because yeah. you know, sorry, short ones. It doesn't have to be a bouncer; it just <laughs> just be a good length, be a net. <laughs> but my dad was a good cricket player, and he always used to say, you know, you, you speak to yourself, you know, like to get yourself focused. And he always used this analogy about cricket, like when you're batting, you got to guard your wicket like it's your life. Mm. And cricket's a good metaphor. It's got lots of good metaphors about life, you know, respecting opportunities, um, not taking calculated risks, um, 
You know, there's a there's an enemy that's that wants to get your take your life or take your take take your opportunity to win. Mm. What kind of lessons do you draw out of cricket that might um, you know, help you in life? Like, is there good metaphors that you've drawn out of playing cricket? Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I think there's uh, many values that you know cricket's derived in and helped me become who I am. Um, I think you know being the the gentleman's game. Um, I think cricket, along with you know, arguably golf, are, are two that have that uh, coin term where it's just not cricket or it's just not golf. If mm-hmm. it doesn't really, you know, if it's unseen, deemed unsportsmanlike. Um, so for me personally, um, more recently, I think gratitude has been one of the greatest, greatest things um, that I've sort of been able to get out of playing cricket. Is is just to be, you know, grateful for where I am and, and the opportunities I'm getting and that's flowed back into my life is, you know, I'm really great. I've become really grateful for uh, now that I've reached this stage for the, you know, the platform that my parents have, have laid for me mm. at such an early stage in life. Like we moved over from South Africa to Australia purely based on my parents were unsure of the security for my brother and I in, you know, determining our futures. They wanted a better future for my brother and I so they packed up their lives, which was our life, um, moved to Australia where we didn't know a soul, had no family. The family's probably further away from mum in England, far away from dad's family in South Africa. And, you know, the four of us sort of took it on together and, and you know, getting gratitude through the opportunities that I've been getting to play the game that I love. Mm. I've sort of, yeah, had that time to reflect and go, you know what, I'm really grateful for the sacrifices that mm. my parents made for our family, yeah, um, that's really good. which in turn is, you know, given me these opportunities to, to become me. Yeah, that's that's really important. It's really nice to hear that from someone who's, you know, on their way and, and kicking some, or hitting sixes, so it's part of the pun. <laughs> kicking some goals. Yeah, kicking some yeah. goals. No, it's, it's really important because you, I, I meet a lot of people who have, um, you know, who are at the top of their game, so to speak, and it's really easy to forget where you come from. Mm. And if you got, say, a kid in the head and you forgot your past, who are you then? Like, like that's, that's a bit deep, but, like, who are we without our past? Yeah. And you'd be wondering where... Well, you'd be searching, searching for photos or anything to find, where did I come from? So when you don't have gratitude, you kind of lose yourself in a lot of ways. Like, if you forget where you come from, who laid down their sacrifices, then, unfortunately... One of the things that come about is is entitlement. Mm. You see a lot of people who are entitled, you know, and um, that's cool. It's, it, it just comes out of you. It's, like I can see, even just with what you post and what you share, and your and how you're using your influence right now, you're actually talking about some really important things like mental health. And mental health is a big passion of mine too. And uh, tell, talk us through a little bit how you got into mental health as a as a topic and as a passion. Yeah, um, you know, I. I think unfortunately and also fortunately uh, a sad set of circumstances happened for myself and my close friendship circles um, to become more aware of you know that that whole mental health space and um, people going through tough times and it wasn't like we threw school um, we we were always like a, a we we thought we were really close sort of year group and, and friend group, the majority of us were really close. There wasn't 
too many little fragmented groups like as a whole year ago I think we had it it was really special and I, I know I'm obviously biased but um, you know we we really had felt like we had a really good understanding of everyone um, and you know there's still bullying that happens mm. etc but we just one of our close mates who he slipped through the cracks um, he started missing a lot of school um, and we just thought it like he said no I'm sick and his parents like Where, where's Nick today and he was he was sick um, and then you know it got to a point where we didn't see much of him and, and it was just he's just staying in bed um, yeah. with Glange uh, was what we were told um, and unfortunately he took his own life um, very unexpectedly because we just didn't see it coming. He did. He, he was very, you know, he didn't have a broken home. His parents were very loving, um, from all our perception as, as sort of young adolescent kids. Um, so that sort of, everyone was sort of, that happened quite soon after school, and it sort of really hit us. Mm. Um, and another prior prior to that, one of our best friend, one of my best friend's dads, took his life, um, and that was like, it seemed really close together. Yeah. Um, so it sort of just. If, some really cool people within my friend circle stood up and said, you know what, this isn't good enough. We need to become more accountable of, of our friends around us. And, and it sort of flowed on through all of us and going, you know what, we need to continue to check in with each other. And we've now got, it's almost become like an unwritten law. If you don't hear from someone for a while, it's like you message them. You see what they're up to. You take an interest and we've got that sort of saying, you know, you're never too busy for a friend. If someone keeps saying, nah, sorry, mate, I'm too busy when they're in town, like obviously I travel a lot overseas and, and similarly my mates travel a lot overseas and interstate, but if we know that we're home and we keep coming back, you know, and I'm too busy, I'm too busy, we just become quite forceful and go, come on, what's going on? That's brilliant. Have I done something wrong? Let's catch up. What are you doing Wednesday? And it's now Monday, so you're actually forcing a, a date in mind just to see that everything's okay so that that sort of started me on it and I was like you know my position um, I, I'm in the community or in in society I'm starting to get more influence or meet more people and I thought you know I want to continue to raise that awareness and share that share that awareness that we have naturally I've built you know naturally within my circles to a broader and wider community um, and that's why I reached out to are you okay? Because that sort of resonated really well with me. Is going, you know, that is simply is reaching out to people, going, are you okay? Mm. Or to me, is it no? Okay, well, yeah. And they say yes. It's like, are you really okay? Mm. And then hopefully it starts a conversation. Is let's go for coffee, let's get dinner. Um, and if something does come out, then you, then I would be like, helping them in the right direction to seek more professional help should they need it, yeah, or becoming right. that regular touch point to be like, hey, how's it going? Mm. It raises the question, we've got our phones in our pockets and a lot of people from the surface would think, think that we're connected more than ever. You know, we see each other's like, oh, I just saw Chris online the other day, you know, yeah. he's popped up. It's not really the case. Like, it's interesting. What's, what's your view on that? Yeah, again, I, I, I sort of lead it to that, that too busy excuse and, and, you know, just seeing someone's story or post on, on Instagram or on Facebook and going, oh, okay. Chris seems okay. He looks like he's having a lot of fun with his cricket, but actually, you know, I haven't seen him for three months. And he's in Sydney. He's been he's been seemingly busy, like looking like he's doing some cool stuff. I haven't seen him for three months. That's unusual. So can't be these things. Can't be the substitute for what you're saying, which is like 
would you say there's almost like levels of connection that we have today like to to see you on facebook or instagram would be like like maybe real like low yeah like to, to, as a gauge of oh i've seen chris you've you've seen him literally but you haven't really seen him in an intimate way or yeah no I, I i definitely think that's the low level and you know naturally the vast majority of people will post falsified emotions because we're worried like naturally as human beings we worry about what other people may think and a lot of people are posting for other people you know to try and get likes and everything's about getting likes or comments so you're almost falsifying potentially what your true true emotions might be mm -hmm. and i think personally but i believe that we all long that one-on-one -on -one connection and actually being able to talk and, and look each other in the eye and get a clear understanding of of what they're up to or how they're actually doing um, or what they're going through and I think that's you know part of for us building a, a really good friendship but then also a really good relationship as well and and you know discussing where that takes you whereas you know you can only do so much online and you can't convey emotion even if I text you saying hey Matt how you going and you're like yeah cool it's just it's just a two-word response I can derive that as going oh something's up because he put a full stop at the end of chords <laughs> he didn't ask me how I'm going 100%. but you're just like yeah I'm chilled man I'm, I'm having a great day mm. I can't I can't gauge that I have to guess yeah I think we need to be really careful not to become slaves to comfort so I think I think the phone is the most incredible kind of portable device we have ever had but it's a tool and we've seen through history um, when you're given power uh, you ask yourself the question am I the master or am I, the, am I being mastered and we never really get given a set of rules or guidelines to be able to use these things or use our platforms in a healthy way with mental health so like we, get give, we have to go through a series of tests to get our L's and then we have to get out for driving and then do a certain amount of hours with someone there and we don't just give car keys to kids when they want to. Yeah. In a way, I think these devices aren't evil innately. They're, they're a vehicle. Mm. The data now is telling us, because only smartphones are relatively still new, that um, the average person in Australia spends 40 hours a week on them, mm. on social media. That's a long time. Yeah. So if you just look at some data around just pure time spent on things versus... Like what are you doing on there? Like, are we conversing on there? There's, a, there's conversations on there, but if we're saying maybe just as a theory between us today, like level, this is like low level. There's so much more. Like, there's mm. so much more you can get out of this. You know, like this is this was the the, the dinner table was the place <laughs> to talk, and it's not um, it's not just for this. It's not any magic around that. It's because we're not just, we've got many senses, mm. five senses, we've got a sixth sense in a way, we've we got, we got intuition. With mental health, um, so with your platform right now, with like your success and your journey, it's really great to see that you're using this opportunity to talk about such things, very important things. So um, tell us a little bit about how you bring this kind of stuff into the cricket world. So like, you know, do you see other players that might, you know, do you still do those same principles of checking up on people? Do you notice that now with players that might be a bit down or something like that? Or do you often hold yourself accountable to somebody? Is someone holding you accountable? Um, like one of the some of the older players, you know? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, it, it, it's something that 
I feel that I can never be too good at. Um, and, you know, the, there's, for me, it's getting over... I think the biggest challenge for me personally is getting over that, that fear of, you know, I'm a young up-and-comer. How can I go and approach a, a guy who's had an amazing career and he's, who's one of my heroes? And I've sort of been through that. Um, and as I sort of mentioned earlier, I grew up idolising Jacques Callas. Um, my first year I got signed by the Thunder, Jacques Callas was the overseas player. Oh, so I, I got the opportunity wow. to play with Jacques Callas for, for two years. And in the second year that he was then, my second year, we won the competition. So like I achieved something that I never would have dreamed of. And that's my, you know, my greatest memory of the game of cricket to date is that I got to play with my childhood hero. That's pretty cool. Um, which is really cool. But the first year, you know, I, I couldn't talk to him. I was too scared to talk to him. So I've, I've definitely got to continue to try and overcome that fear and, and I'm getting better at it. Um, but it's just about, I think, to go back to your question, it's just about, you know, if you do see something and, and we're now, like what I'm doing is so in and out of different tournaments that you're there for a short time, you're sort of a contractor if you like, you're coming in, you play your trade, you do your best for that team, you try, if you don't do well as a team or as a collective, then you fly straight out. You've got no real attachment and who I am, I get really attached to that team or that culture or that country. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I really want to do well here and I sort of often long for that opportunity to go back um, and keep that point of contact. And I think it's just, again, there's so many emotions and um, potential for us to focus purely on results as, as athletes and, and that's where you know, I've learnt more and more for myself is, is staying very present and process focused and process driven rather than results focused. Mm, um, that's really good. And a lot, of, a lot of guys, you know, going through tough times can become focused on results. It's like, you know, I had a bad day today or I didn't get picked for the team. And it's, I think that's where naturally, particularly younger guys, I'm a lot better at reaching out and going touching based and or becoming better at touching based and going, you know, it's okay, it happens. You know, it just happens to all of us. I've been through it. You're going to remember this and you've got to try and turn it. I always try and turn it into a positive um, scenario and put myself in their shoes and go, you know, when I was dropped, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm angry or I'm frustrated. Those natural, raw emotions that come straight away is like, okay, but I don't want to detract from the team. How am I going to use this to make me better? Mm. Or how can I use this to my advantage? As a, is it an extra bit of motivation? Is it, you know, I need more clarity around my role? So it's turning that, that mental focus from, oh, why me? Why has this happened to me? Where you can go in that downward spiral mm. and, you know, sort of beat yourself up about to go, well, what I need to do? What now do I need to do? What's required of me? How can I best support the team? So to straight away adapting that focus. Um, I need to probably get better or more confident in talking to more people that even if I don't know, and I think that's something that you know us in society don't do enough. We could see someone struggling, but just because we don't know them that well mm. or don't know them at all, won't go up to them because we're just unsure. Yeah, we've seen on. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I feel there's nothing to lose in doing that. There's yeah. nothing bad that can come from it. Yeah, I um, I've learnt to ask questions a lot and. It's really because I felt like I've been given permission to through someone that I admire. So one of my mentors always said to me, it never hurts to ask a question. Mm. 
And I thought, well, that's that's pretty cool because you could always lean on the fact that I'm just asking a question, man. Mm. Said, okay, I, I don't have to be 60 to ask a question mm -hmm. or a doctor to ask a simple question. As long as the tone and the attitude's okay mm. and the motor's okay, that's okay. It doesn't matter if I'm six. The question is, it has merit to it. We take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about some leadership, maybe a little bit about your routine, a little bit of fun stuff. Be cool, but um, awesome. Stay tuned. I've been in business for nearly 10 years now um, with The Green Room and now with a brand new company that looks after social media services for businesses. Now, I want to let you know about it because I'm limiting our services to a particular number because we want to provide a great service to businesses and really train businesses to understand social. It's a really confusing landscape and it changes all the time. It's that dynamic. Algorithms change overnight. Features change overnight. And it's our job to keep our finger in the pulse and know what's working with the intention of meeting your goals. So if it's to get your business more sales, if it's to recruit better people to your business, if it's to create brand awareness and authority in your industry, we know how to do that stuff. And I want you to reach out to us if you've got a business and this is interesting to you. Just email us directly at mpurcell at mentored.com.au. I guess I'm not used to plugging my own things on The Examined Life, but this is the first public plug even before Instagram and Facebook just to you guys, just to my listeners. So if you're a business owner this interests you, feel free to reach out. Once again, it's mpurcell, P-U-R-C-E-L-L at mentored.com.au. Chris, I really admire how you're using your influence right now. So around, you know, Ronald McDonald House and Are You OK? Or just a few of them. You talked about, sorry, a little bit about gratitude and how that's really important to you. And I agree, it's like one of the most important things for us in society to, to practice. Tell us a little bit about some of the ventures you're part of relating to giving back. Yeah, we sort of touched on earlier family. Um, pays, plays a big role in my life and, and as I said I'm very grateful um, and thankful for a lot of the sacrifices that my family, uh, in particular my parents, um, made to put this platform forward for me to become who I am yeah. and turn into today and, and you know follow my dream and you know pursuing a passion is is something that's that's very tough because it, uh, there's not a lot of rewards in it at the start and it tests your love of the game. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, you know, love always wins. And for me, family is really important um, and hence why I, I've, the last two years now I've been involved with Ronald McDonald House Charities um, at the house there at Randwick. And What's that like, Ronald McDonald House? Like? I've never been there. Yeah, it's, um, it's actually really powerful and, and, and really special. You sort of... You know, I didn't really know what to expect. Naturally, I'm a, I was really hesitant and cautious going into that environment, knowing that, you know, families are going through some really tough times. You know, these are young kids who, are, who have some serious diseases um, and terminal illnesses such as cancer and don't really know what's going on, and they're from the rural communities. Um, so, to, so how it works is for the Randwick House, for example, there's the children's hospital right there, and if you, are, if you have a young kid that's sick and you live 100 k's out, these houses basically give, provide you accommodation if there's room. Um, and what I didn't realise is there's, there's not enough room um, yeah. for a lot of families. So there's families driving from Canberra or out on their farms. 
um, and they're having to sleep in cars because affordability is so hot, like so tough. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, you walk in these doors, and the f I remember the, vividly the first time I walked in these doors, I was blown away with how, you know, ha happy the house was. And I sort of, I, after getting a tour through and meeting a few of the families, and they were all really open to talking about what they were all going through. And no one, I mean, I I'm a very emotional guy, and I had to hold back my emotions because no one was getting emotional with me. They were very, you know, almost at peace with what they're going with because they were in that comfortable environment. I think it's very tough to, to say that they're at peace with it, but they were, they were, it provided them that escape from the hospital. Um, and that's exactly what they said to me. They said, Chris, this is, our house provides families that escape from the hospital. They can come here and be a family as they would be at home, which is different to, you know, staying in an apartment or a hotel. This, this is, they try and make it feel as homely and as, as safe, but as possible. So, you know, if you were at home with your family, like I, I'm at home with my family and I love just being with them. And that would, if I was going through a tough time or if I was sick, that would be something that would make me feel better. And I think that's something that's probably really powerful mm. um, when going through those times, for, particularly for such young kids who probably aren't aware of what they're going through. They just f are in either a lot of pain or don't feel great. Mm. Um, and then they're like, you know, why can't I go to school? Why can't I play with my family? Why can't I play with my brother? Um, so just witnessing families together and different families also coming together, obviously going through different but very similar circumstances, mm. I found something was really powerful and, and to be a part of that was really special. So I, I'm trying to raise as much awareness for that, that cause, but all these houses, you know, they're they're getting funding, um, but there's just, I was blown away that there's just not enough room. Yeah. Um, wow. And, and families, you know, it's like, what about the families that are within that 100k radius and still have to drive a decent amount away to then come into the hospital? And it's, it's just something that, yeah, it's, it's so hard to, to fathom. Um, but yeah, for me, the, the sort of high regard that I put on with my family, and I love my family, if that ever happened to one of us, I know that this sort of environment would really suit us because we'd, it allows families to stay together rather than fragment. Mm -hmm. Pl creating places to where you can belong is really a big need. Mm -hmm. I think particularly when you've got a lot of needs out there, um, it, it, it takes someone, just one person maybe, to put their hand up to say, we need to do something about this and it might be in the form of a McDonald's house, a children's house, it might be in the form of, um, you know, a weekly meet-up. That just gave you perspective, right? Yeah. You go into that house and you get perspective on life and you're like, gee, oh, wow, I had no idea. So how does that inspire you? Like, that, that must inspire you and touch you deeply. So you, it, it really resonated in your emotions. Obviously, that's probably given you energy to want to give back. And your whole life looks like it's... Um, aimed and geared to be able to give back in some way? Are you, are you looking to start something up yourself one day or like is there anything in the works or...? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, the, the biggest thing, as you say, that they're sort of, um, their key point of Ronald McDonald House is they say they're keeping families close. Mm. Um, and that's something that, you know, gave me a, a really powerful, powerful perspective of, of not only keeping my family close but keeping everyone close. Mm. Um, 
not only to me but ensuring and that sort of that for me that was the really big crossover with the mental health as well in going okay well let's let's just keep close why, why do we have to let distance or let the as we were talking about with with the phone let that say that okay well that's how we're going to keep in touch is just by following each other um, online or keeping up to date online let's let's stay close and actually maintain that interaction um, so I think that's yeah given me perspective but it's also you know that's the sort of crossover into my life in wanting to you know not just purely be a, a cricketer um, that that is my dream and love but I think it's cricket it, there's more to me and there's more to life than just cricket mm. um, and I think having that awareness um, has really you know helped benefit my cricket um, and I always love that you know my friends and family have a really great understanding of me for example I'll come home and I'm, I'm after a good or bad day I won't necessarily talk about cricket we'll talk about anything mm -hmm. um, and then the next day I'm going back to cricket whether it's a match or a, another training session and I'm feeling refreshed and renewed rather than you know continuing to bring baggage from a previous day or what's what's to come it's really helping me stay very present and in the moment and I think that's something for me that is really important in my life mm. um, and it makes me again more grateful for where I am today yeah. um, and often you know I'm you can play at an MCG in front of 60,000 people and talk about it but did you actually take awareness of, of what that was like did you look around the ground and that's something that a previous coach at the Thunder, um, Paddy Upton, was really good at is he would say to us sometimes in a huddle, he said, look around at where you are right now. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and that's something that sort of resonated, is like, look around where I am right now today and what I want to do today. Um, and, you know, that's in terms of things that I want to continue to to get involved with is giving back's a, a really important part of what I want to do because I'm very, very grateful of the opportunities that I'm getting, but you know, there are a lot of people that maybe aren't getting those opportunities or are going through something similar. And how can I pass on that advice? You know, mm. I I reached out to a lot of people, and that's the beauty of these competitions: is you gain access to to bring it into cricket for a bit. Is you gain access to some amazing people. So I've played cricket with the likes of Jacques Callis, Mike Hussey, Shane Watson, Brendan McCullum. You know, mm. some unbelievable cricketers and, and icons in the in the world game and having sat, sat down with them and discussed you know their careers and, and what they've learned has has really benefited me in my career and my life you know hearing about their stories mistakes they've made successes they've made you know I can really relate and, and draw upon one or two things in my current career and then also you know sort of store that in my bank for what's to come you know what did they go through if I'm faced with or starting to become faced with a similar set of circumstances how can I apply you know Shane Watson's journey to Chris Green's journey or mm. Mike Hussey's journey to Chris Green's journey and um, one of the key things that I'm obviously interested in is, is leadership mm. um, and, and being a leader I love leading and captaining teams but I also love being a very passive leader as well like I'm I'm a very active leader, but I love being a passive leader and, and applying a lot of the knowledge of, you know, captains that I've played under to my cricket in my life is something that I've gained a lot from, and, mm. and that's purely from those conversations. So, well, um, that's like kind of merit and credit to you because 
you're a good listener and you're a sponge. Yeah. And you seem to be soaking up as much as you can from, well, wisely from the most experienced people you can get it from. And that's, and to, to me, that is a very wise person that wherever you are in life, whoever you have access to, it doesn't, you might, people won't have access to Jacques, but like you did necessarily, like it's very unique, but to recognize that this is an opportunity and to ask a question or to be able to have the bravery to be able to um, position yourself near these people is like, it's the simple stuff. It's, this is like the basics. Like I think it's one of the best advice that we could give people today um, is to look around at your network and your circles and find out who is the wisest among your tribe. Mm. And it might be an uncle, auntie, it might be a teacher, it might be whoever, in whatever form or industry. But position yourself. Mm. Like put yourself, put yourself in the game to give yourself a shot. Yeah. Yeah, for me, you hit the nail on the head in, in the sponge. Um, that's something I've always talked about, is acting like a sponge and taking as much in as possible. And it, it more often than not is going to be to your, your betterment. It's, it's very seldomly I find it can be to your detriment. And it's like, you know, you never know when you're going to need to squeeze it for that little bit of water that you soaked up. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And I think it comes back to what we were talking about. You can't reach out to your circles or, or learn and ask the right questions and learn from the answers over a phone. Mm. You've got to do that face to face. Yeah. Um, and that links in with, you know, that's checking, that, that's, that can be a form of checking in with your circles or your networks. Um, and then also it can be a way of ensuring that you're still in a really good space and you know, often I find and come across people who don't really know their path or where, where they're going to go on their journey. Um, for me, I'm fortunate right now, I want to be the best cricketer I can be, but cricket doesn't consume my whole life. What else can I find? I'm interested in, you know, starting my own podcast. So mm. how am I going to do that? Mm. You know, that's about talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, how, how do I do that that's interesting? And, and do I worry about what people may think or... What, what do I have to share that is interesting? But it's mm -hmm. the, the cool thing about it and the thing that I guess we keep going back to is it, it's questions. It's questions. And it's about um, having a purpose, really. Like there's a purpose to this podcast and the podcast is called obviously The Examined Life and the podcast is, podcast purpose is to, to question and examine what is popular, how people who are doing well or in industry in different industries see life and people and also lots of aspects of life like we have we've barely talked about what you've done or what you do because you're right on a pie chart of who you are as a person it should not be 100 percent because for your example cricket does very little to be a good person being a good cricket player does not make you a good person yeah is that safe to say? Yeah, definitely. So, being a millionaire does not make you a trustworthy human <laughs> being automatically. It's like you could be really good at a profession, but that does not transfer over to being reliable, um, you know, intuitive, empathetic, you know, all those, you know, even great, grateful. Mm. And I've often talked to people who, you know, are on the road and they aren't in touch with people. They have no one to call. So, if, even if they have a, a great win, no one to share with mm. or god forbid they have a bad day no one's there for them but they're on top of the mountain and you gotta it, bring, it takes me back to think like it takes us all back to think about well 
what are the most important things in life? Work's one of them. And I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this because it's like a theory I'm, tr um, I'm testing out as we go. But I think there's like there's health mm. and there's your know, relationships, your work, and um, there's your sense of meaning. And I think those three strands, if you have your health snipped off, when that affects everything, mm. and your relationships, if your relationships start doing well, you're not, you're iso let's say you're isolated, that could affect your health, your mental health and all that. And it could affect your work. Mm. So it's like they're all kind of connected. Um, how do you see that? Is there anything you reckon you'd add to that? Because this is a theory I'm actually yeah. forming as well. I think, I think for me, like I completely agree, those those are like key determining factors. Um, something that I always come back to for me personally is, you know, you never, in, in terms of talking about, you know, your emotions when they're high or low due to an event. Um, and it's something I, I heard, uh, it was very cricket related, but it, mm. it, I was able to draw back into life is you're never, you're never as good as you think you are when you're winning and you're never as bad as you think you are when you're losing. <laughs> Um, cool. So it really brings in that sort of levelness into life, and and for me, in you know something that I've, as I said, focused on is just being very present in the right now, and you know not worrying about or thinking about what you did yesterday or what could come tomorrow is is being very present. And you know what what do I want to do today, mm. um, and how how do I want to do that to the best of my ability? One of the best things I've learned, I've heard of is actually from the Bible actually about that. It was a um, scripture that talked about, uh, it was actually Jesus who said this, uh, he said basically an um, ad-libbing a bit but he, along the lines of the, the best metric for success is to, is, is the day. So like give us today our daily bread because mm. tomorrow has enough worries of itself, he said. It's got enough pain points in itself. And anxiety is tr is about the future. It's like what if? It's like fearing that you're going to lose something in the future, fearing that you're going to have less of something in the future. So it's future related. It's not present related. Mm. It could be triggered from thinking, oh, I had a bad run in the past. Therefore, the future is I'm a bit anxious about the future. But you're not present still because that's mm. past affecting now and that, thinking about that. So it's like what you're saying about today, the present, and mindfulness and stuff are buzzwords and they're very important words. But it's really important that if you're basically saying success maybe for the mind has to be measured by the day. Like measure, like I'm not thinking about anything else but, but now, right now, mm. in this interview, in this, in this catch-up. Mm. Because whatever happens after this will come and it's got enough contingencies around that so you're doing a, you're doing the moment a disservice you you can only be intimate now you can only yeah. communicate now so today is the most the now is the most important thing yeah and and that way again something i work with my relating cricket to life is is you become very process driven rather than results driven yeah um, that's and that's that. something that you know we talk about in cricket is you know okay Result is obviously the win or lose, but we'd have no control over results when you when you actually break it down. And something that we've discussed and and that Shane Watson sort of passed on to me is is a formula for results. So the formula for results is A times B equals results. A is everything you can control, 
B is everything you can't, and because B is therefore zero, it means you have no control over results. That's brilliant. So is well, therefore, what can I what what can I focus on? And is everything is the A factors. So for me, it's like you know, is it my prep? It's my preparation. It's it's my mental space, and that is very much in the moment right now. And when you fo your focus all of a sudden just sort of narrows in, because I think in cricket and in life, there are so many distractions that can take you away from where you are right now. And that's where I think we can get caught up in. And that's where, you know, that's where the threats come into those three pillars that you discussed in terms of your health um, and, and how you're going. But it's, that's where, you know, I've or able to gain or give myself the best opportunity to be successful because you've got no control over success, but you've got to try and give yourself the best opportunity at the end of the day to try and be successful or achieve what you're trying to achieve. Mm. Um, and that's where you know, the power of the process versus the focus on results is, is something that I think can be really beneficial to in, in aiding that, okay, well, what do I want to do today? What's my process? And, and let, that's, gonna t that's all I can control. Mm. I've got no control over anything else. That's a really good point. It's really wise. Just to finish up, what what's some things that you could tell people listening and watching the day that could help them become more grateful? What what's some universal things that I can that you've learned that could help people with their mental health, particularly around gratitude? I think um, you know self awareness is is something that naturally. I'm quite good at um, and, and has helped me in getting that. But I think it's just, you know, really thinking about just generating the thought and, and bringing that awareness to, okay, well, who am I? How did I get here? Who sort of helped me along the way? And, and it's something that I sat through um, a, a workshop with um, a guy, Hugh Van Seilenberg, or I, I can't remember his last name but around the whole gratitude and mindfulness. And that was his big thing around, you know, saying thank you. Mm -hmm. And it's something that my parents has always instilled to me in saying thank you. And it's, to me, it's become not using it as a, a throwaway comment or tick the box comment as your, your, your P's and Q's or your please and thank you's is actually meaning thank you and who are the people that you can thank in your life. Um, and I think that's something that really helped me on a base level and a starting out level in, in gaining that gratitude and, and bringing that awareness to you know who I am today and how I got there and, and being very grateful for the position I'm in and very grateful to the people that have supported me or support me now and have also supported me in the past mm. um, and that's where I think it's it's really cool it's a really cool exercise to do and, and you know you actually reach out to to them and write, or write to them or, or try and catch up with them even better for a coffee or something and just sit down with them and go, you know what, I'm really, I'm really thankful for the countless hours you spent free of charge throwing me cricket balls and, and breaking your shoulder. Um, <laughs> like my dad had surgery on his shoulder as a, as a result of throwing me cricket balls and, serve, oh. and, serving, and serving balls at my brother. I call it, but it's probably also because he was a professional tennis player as well, so it was, mm. it was bound to happen. But I think my brother and I sped up the process for him. Mm. Um, so that's like a, a, a light-hearted one. But, you know, who, who are the people that have helped you become who you are today and, and go and thank them and go and catch up with them, whether it's a high school teacher, you know, helped you through a tough time at school or you weren't really sure where you were going um, and, and they, they 
they gave their time to you. Mm. You know, unselfishly, they provided you their time and their advice. So who are those people that, as we're talking about, that you asked the questions of, that then provided you really cool information that you learned from and have helped shape who you become? Mm. I think that's something that I would suggest, and I did, that's, that's really cool, and you can never do that enough. Mm. That's really good. Chris Green, thanks for joining us today. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Examine Life podcast. I hope you got so much out of this. Now listen, if you have any requests, particularly around the worldviews topic and series I'm wanting to launch, of type of worldviews and lifestyles and choices in life, I'd love to hear your suggestions and take you up on them. Please inbox me on Instagram at MattPurcellOfficial. And I'd love to hear all your suggestions. I'm thinking religious worldviews to begin with. Then I'm going to go down to different groups in society. So thanks again for listening. Stay tuned.